Welcome to the Word of Life Center podcast. It's our desire that today's message would equip and empower you to see the Word of God bring life to your life. Well, I want to jump in today and talk to you some more about Jesus' ministry to you. Um, Now, you've got to understand the premise of this, and I've said this several times, but I just want to say it again. You can't go by what you think. You can't go by what you feel. You can't go by what you wish it was like. Jesus' ministry was defined by his own actions. So if you want to know how Jesus will respond to you or what he will do in your life, Just go read what he did when he was on the earth. In fact, the Bible tells us, and we'll look at this in a minute, that he defined his own ministry by the word of God. And so if that's the case, then we have to understand that we have to receive from Jesus. He's going to minister to us based on what his word says and based on what his character says that he demonstrated on the earth. This is a very critical thing that you have to understand. Jesus demonstrated on the earth what he was going to do for us through the resurrection, through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection. And so we can watch Jesus' actions and we can understand what he'll do for us based on not what he did on the earth, but the guarantee that he gave Because he died and was raised from the dead. That's a mouthful, but I I trust you got it. So we're going to have to adjust our perspective for what makes Jesus respond or how he ministers to us. Now, my, my pastor, John Osteen, used to say all the time, if you're rubbing the cat's fur the wrong way, make the cat turn around. And that's kind of how God thinks. You know, well, God, I want you to do it this way. I want this. Jesus, I want you to do it this way. But that's not the way that we operate. We operate based on what Jesus says and how he acts and how he responds. So you're the cat. You got to turn around. Amen. You have to be the one to understand that. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can just get a little flippant. With, uh, with God and just think, well, God loves us. God will just do anything. Well, he, he won't. If, if that was the case, every person would be saved today. For God so loved the world. So he loves, but that love has to have an action from the recipient of that person. And that, that, that's what we're going to talk about today. How Jesus responds to us. So let me read you a scripture in Hebrews. Chapter 13, verse 8. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, can you figure out some place where Jesus is not the same? Can you figure out some way that he's not going to do for you what he did for someone else? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if that's the case, then our perspective needs to be, if he's the same today as he was in his actions, then we need to find out what will cause him to act in our behalf and respond to us. 
Thank you for your enthusiasm this morning. Because it's, it's real easy to get caught up in emotion or get caught up in, in what you want or what you think. And really, you're the cat. You've got to turn around. We have to do it the way Jesus responds. And he taught us how to do it. So it's not something that, that is unusual. Now, I want us to go back to Luke chapter 4 because Jesus defined his ministry. Now, I know there were other aspects of it, but he defined his ministry in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. Now, I'm going to say this so you'll understand this. Jesus has just started his ministry. Most people think Jesus was about 30 years old and had done nothing that we know of until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he was tempted of the devil. He was in the wilderness 40 days. When he came back, he came back in power. All right. And one of the first things that Jesus did was go to his own hometown. And he walked into the synagogue on the Sabbath and he opened the book of Isaiah to the place where it was written in verse 18 of Luke. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now here's what I like about it. The next verse says he, he closed the book, handed it back to the scribe, and sat down. And when he did that, it says that everybody's eyes in the whole synagogue were fixed on him. You know why? Because he just declared himself the Messiah. That scripture was reserved for the Messiah. And in his own hometown, he declared, this is who I am and this is what I will do. He revealed himself. All right, but now here's the wild thing about this. In Matthew's account of this same time frame gives us more detail concerning the response to his reading of Isaiah. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 54, the people begin to question him. It says he taught them in their synagogue so they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is he not Mother Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did he get this? When, where then did this man get all these things? And then the very next verse says they were offended in him. You would have thought Jesus comes back to his own hometown. He tells them who he is. Everybody get excited. But they got offended. They were offended at Jesus. Jump back over to Luke's account of this in verse 23 and listen to what Jesus said. He said to them, You will surely say to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever you've done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. 
In other words, Jesus read their minds. He knew what they were thinking. Well, if you're so high and mighty, if that belongs to you, then prove it. Show us. Do you know, listen to me. I just want you to hear me. Jesus does not respond to that. You will not get Jesus to respond by pointing your finger at him and saying, you said you'd do this, now you do it. He's not impressed with that. They wanted Jesus to do what he'd already done, but he said, I'm not doing it. But now here's what Jesus did do. He gave us an understanding of how he would respond. Luke chapter 4, verse 23, he says, show me. And then verse 24, listen to this. Jesus said this to him. Surely I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. In other words, you don't get it. Then he goes on to say, there were a lot of prophets and there were a lot of widows in the land in Elijah's day. But he only came to one widow. That's a slap in the face to the Jews. They thought that whatever happened, they'd get it just because they're Jews. Then he said, and by the way, there wasn't but one leper who was healed in Elisha's day, in Elisha's ministry. And I'm, I'm adding this. And he wasn't even a Jew. So Jesus is basically telling them what you think and how your, what your perspective is about how I'll respond to you is wrong. It's wrong. Now, let me give you another clue. Well, let me just say it this way. Jesus was telling them that just because they were children of Israel didn't mean they were going to receive anything. In fact, listen to what stopped them from receiving. You ready? Matthew chapter 13, verse 58. Same scenario, same group of people. Matthew 13, verse 28. Listen to what it says and you'll get it. Now he did no mighty works there because of their unbelief. That's the wrong verse. That's the wrong scripture. Matthew 13, 58. Because of their own, their unbelief, that's what stopped them. Thank you. Because of their unbelief. It wasn't because of Jesus. Jesus had already declared what he would do, how he would do it. He declared the whole thing, but he couldn't do it. Didn't say he wouldn't do it. He said he couldn't do it because of their unbelief. So we're getting a little bit of a clue here what really causes Jesus and what really motivates Jesus to minister to you according to who he is. Number one, he can't do anything if you're in unbelief. See, people, people actually get upset with you when you say that, like, well, he loves me anyway. Wait a minute. That's not what the Bible says. That's not how Jesus responds. Even the one man who came to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. 
Jesus said, okay, I'll help your unbelief. All things are possible to him who believes. You want to help your unbelief? So you have to understand how Jesus ministers you. Now, this ought to be liberating. And it will be at the end. You'll understand what I'm talking about. This ought to be liberating to you. Because you don't have to worry about anything but one thing, and that's your faith. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to receive anything from Jesus. I know you don't want to hear that. But all the promises are in Christ. Yes and amen. Yeah, and you receive them by faith. Even just because you know the Word of God doesn't guarantee. Well, I know the Bible. Well, good for you. (laughs) The Pharisees could quote the Bible. And we're not talking about 3 John. We're talking about Leviticus. Deuteronomy. But it it did not release Jesus to be able to minister to them. So... You've got to understand this. Sometimes people think, well, Jesus will minister us because of our circumstances. You know, I know I may be crushing some of your ideas about Jesus, but you need to hear me. Because if you want to receive from Jesus' ministry, you're going to have to do it his way. Okay? Jesus, if he just ministered to people who had needs, he would have been at the pool of Bethesda For days. For days. So you need to understand how he ministers to people. So let me just show you, give you a glimpse of this so you can get it. And I think it's going to help you focus on you getting something from God. Like I said, it really in the end result, it's liberating. Okay, so Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, ministered to a man. The Bible says he was a centurion. That means he was a military man. Okay, so Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, it says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a certain a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant lies at the point of death. paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Wow. Listen to me. He goes on to say, for I'm a man under authority, having those under me. And when I say to this one, go, he goes. And when I say to this one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 10 says, when Jesus heard, he marveled. When he heard, he marveled. Now, this man didn't have a covenant with God. But when Jesus heard this, It says he marveled and he makes this statement in verse 16. I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. 
Nobody in Israel, nobody of my people, nobody has the kind of faith that this centurion had. Let me just tell you something. I believe in the days to come, some of you are going to be embarrassed by the faith of some people. You're going to say, well, you hadn't been going to church. Well, you hadn't been doing anything. Why is God doing stuff in your life? Because it doesn't have anything to do with your church attendance. It has to do with your faith. Should you come to church? Yeah, why? Because you hear the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. But the bottom line is, folks, don't you ever get upset because, well, I've been coming, I've been believing, and nothing's happened to me. And look at, they just jumped right in. And look at what God's done for them. There's no special dispensation for that person. He's just responding to their faith. Just like he'll respond to your faith. Jesus said, look, I've, I, there's nobody, there is nobody, nobody who has faith like this man in Israel. Wow. So guess what Jesus did? <laughs> he said, go your way. It's okay. Everything's fine. Your servant's healed. And you know what? The Bible says that servant was healed from the same hour. Not when Jesus said what he said, but when the centurion said what he said. Really, I I, I believe Jesus just hooked his faith up with the centurion and said, okay, that's what you're believing, that's what I'm believing. Actually, I could show you a good bit about that if I had time, but I don't. All right, let me, let me just show, I, I'm doing this because I want you to, to understand that this is primarily how Jesus operated. And he still operates this way today. There was a woman in Mark chapter 5, in verse 25. The Bible tells us it was a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. It goes on to say she suffered many things of many physicians. Well, it was none better, but got worse. But something amazing happened. She heard about Jesus. And what she heard about Jesus was that people were touching his garment and they were being healed. So she said, if I touch his garment, I'm going to be healed. Now, you got to understand this woman, okay, says she had a flow of blood for 12 years, okay? Now, ladies, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. But the thing that you have to understand is that according to the word of God under the old covenant, she was unclean, which meant everywhere she went, she had to say, I am unclean. I am unclean. She had to notify everybody she was unclean. How would you like to notify everybody of something you've got wrong with you? Everywhere you went, excuse me, I can't, I I just want you to know I'm unclean. She couldn't be in crowds. She had to be separated. But something different happened with this woman. Something was different about her. She said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. And then she pursued Jesus. Now, listen to me today. I don't want you to misunderstand this. Because I believe the Holy Spirit will pursue anybody 
if somebody's praying and somebody's after that. But if you think that just because you're going to go live however you want to live as a Christian and Jesus is going to pursue you, you're mistaken. But he loves me. Yes, he does. He sent his son. Thank you again for your enthusiasm. Jesus was not paying any attention to this woman at all. At all. And she came in the press behind, and guess what she did? She touched his garment. She touched his garment. Immediately the flow of blood was stopped. She felt in her body that she was healed. And immediately Jesus knew something different had happened. He said, somebody touch me. The disciples said, everybody's been touching you. No, no. This woman touched me different. She touched me in a different way. She touched me in a different way. Because he felt that anointing flow out of him. The woman came, fearing and trembling before him, and told him everything that had happened. Now, here's the amazing thing. You know what Jesus said to her? Okay, you, you got to hear this. Listen to what it says in verse 32. Mark chapter, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sorry, <clears throat> chapter 30, I mean verse 34. Mark chapter 5, verse 34. Listen to this. He said to her daughter, what happened? Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Well, pastor, you know, Jesus had compassion on people. He did. And I believe there are times you'll have compassion on us, but you can't live by that. You have to live by faith. This woman received by faith. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, there was a man, the Bible says his name was Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. He was blind. He was a beggar. He was a beggar. Had no social standing whatsoever. Everybody looked down on him. His job was a beggar, as a beggar. Today, he'd probably be standing on a street corner with a sign. But it says that when Jesus came by, he knew it was Jesus. And all of a sudden, something sparked on the inside of him. And he started crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When he did that, all the people around him told him to be quiet. Stop. Don't say anything. You're, you're, you, don't you know your position? He just got louder. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped in his track because he heard something in his voice that attracted him. He wasn't the only beggar on that road, folks, that was lined with beggars. They said to him, uh, he wants to see you. Same people that told him to be quiet. Now they're saying he wants to see you. One translation says, you lucky fella, he wants to see you. When he luck about it. He went to Jesus. And here's the thing you got to hear. Listen to this. Listen very carefully. 
Jesus said to him, what do you want? Now, wait a minute. Doesn't Jesus know what I want? Lord, you know all my needs. Just meet them. You know what he said? Well, the beggar could have said, he said, well, if I just had a better place to beg from. Could you give me some money? You know Jesus would have. You know that I'm, I believe that if he had asked him for money, Jesus would have given him money and walked on. What do you want? That means you're going to have to say, you, well, he knows what I want before I ask. You, see, you just missed it. But he wants you to ask. He said, I want to see. Jesus touched him, healed him. And you know what? The most amazing thing about this, 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 this is what's, what just really will blow your mind about it. Verse 32. Wait a minute, that's not right. Listen to what it says in verse uh, 52. Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight. Your faith has made you well. Coming in contact with Jesus with faith will make you well. It will open your eyes. It will heal your body. It will bring you to a place of of strength in your life. But listen to me. You have to be a part of that. If you want Jesus to respond to you, you have to look at the way he responded to other people. Now, let me give you another example. Because, listen, all of us, if we made Jesus our Lord, have done this in one way or another. And it says in Luke chapter 7, verse 36, that the, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went in the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. How'd you like to be designated as the sinner? Oh, she's a sinner. We, you know, you can pretty much guess what she did, but you don't know that, and I don't know that, but we can pretty much guess what she did. I don't wonder how she got access to the house. Maybe she'd been there before. Now, it says she was a sinner. And when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Then weeping, it says she poured it on his feet and she wiped it with her hairs of her head. Well, this made the religious people really upset. Don't you know she's a sinner? Now, you may not think you do this, but you might want to judge your own heart when you run across somebody that you know they're not living right. What is your attitude toward them? What is your attitude toward them? I remember many years ago, now we had a known sinner come come to church. You know, there are some sinners, they just, but some of them are really known. I was amazed at how many people made comments like, we're shocked. We're shocked that he's here. I had a gambler come one time and he put chips in the offering. 
What'd you do? I went and cashed them in. <laughs> she was a known sinner. Pharisees got upset. So Jesus ministered to the Pharisees. But it's interesting. He ministered to them really a rebuke. But then what's amazing is, is what he said to her in, in Luke seven forty eight. Listen to this. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. I thank God I heard those words myself. When I made Jesus the Lord of my life, my sins were forgiven. And I want to tell you, I had a pile of them, but thank God they were forgiven. I didn't even realize it at the time, but listen to what Jesus says in verse 50. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Her faith did. Now, you know, I'm not bragging on my faith because I have to, I have to receive that faith through Jesus. But, but you know, I didn't even realize that night when I got up out of the chair and then I finally walked down to the front of the church to make Jesus my Lord. That was my faith in action. Now, here's the thing you've got to understand. I wasn't a Christian when my faith acted. My faith actually got me saved because I acted on what Jesus said he would do for me. That's a powerful lesson. I tell people all the time, listen, if you've got enough faith to walk to the front of this church to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you've got enough faith to be healed. You've got enough faith to be delivered. You've got enough faith for God to do great things in your life. He wants to. So it's not a matter of, well, I don't have enough faith. I, I, I think you're just looking at the mountain. I think you're looking in the wrong direction. Now listen to me a minute. All of these came to Jesus to receive something. They had no credentials. They were without resources. By and large, they were without hope. But they had something. They had faith. They were really like that widow woman that took her last meal and gave it to Elijah. They were really like Naaman who was willing, even though he was a military general, was willing to submit himself to the prophet and go wash in the Jordan River. All right, so what's different today? Nothing. It's interesting, the centurion's authority as a military man could do nothing. This woman who brought this alabaster box that we, we talk about and poured the oil, apparently that was very, very valuable but it couldn't buy her anything she had to break it and allow her faith to be the only thing that worked now once you understand that it ought to be good news to you because let me show you what God's looking for today in people this may shock you okay listen to what it says in first Corinthians chapter one beginning in verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren, 
that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Isn't that interesting? Your wisdom, your strength, your nobility have nothing to do with what God wants to do. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. So, what are you saying, Pastor? Your wisdom has nothing to do with Jesus responding to you. Here's the most amazing thing to me, okay? Jesus really looks for people who have not mastered life. Because, see, when you think you've got, it, you've got it down pat, you don't need Jesus. You don't think you do. You do but you don't think Jesus. That's why so many people, it seems like, has to, they have to lose everything to come to Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you to lose everything, but you have to be willing to give up everything for him. You have to become a fool. You have to become foolish. I can't tell you how many people, people in this congregation today, that, that literally uh, ran with certain crowds and then they made Jesus their Lord. Now they're called fools in that same crowd. And who's the real fool? Because you can't trust in your wisdom. You can't trust in your power. God chose weak things. I like one translation. Says, what God chose what is weak to shame the strong. The base things, things that are despised, God has chosen. Why? Because all you need is your faith. You don't need to be smart. You don't have to have some kind of pedigree background. All you have to do is have faith. That ought to encourage you. It's not a matter of me having to do something other than to believe. And when you believe, then Jesus wants to respond to you. Now, that doesn't mean people of high degree, in a sense, cannot receive God. Naaman was a general. The centurion was, a, was an officer. But the bottom line is, God's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. Jesus responds to your faith. Now, listen, if you get a hold of that, then this scripture will help you in Matthew chapter 11, beginning of verse 28. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest in my soul, for your soul. Listen to me today. All you need is to believe that Jesus wants to touch you, wants to respond to you. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And you say, well, Jesus, I've got to clean up my act. That won't help you a bit. Might make you feel better, but it's not going to help you with Jesus. 
Because I'll tell you what I found out. I found out when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, that's your faith in action. Then you, your life gets cleaned up pretty quick. It's amazing how quickly it gets cleaned up. What you've got to understand today is this. You have faith. You would not be in this building today if you didn't have faith. Why are you here? Because I believe that Jesus wants to respond to you today. What is it that you need today? 10,000 different things, but only one Savior who will respond to every one of them at the same time, if that's what it takes. Because He loves you. All He's waiting on is your response of faith. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Word of Life Center podcast. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter or at our website, wordoflifecenter.org.